Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's MHTV episode. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm Dave Monday, Lead Professional Officer with the United Union in the Health Sector, and I think we've got a really exciting, interesting episode tonight. I would say that, but I actually mean it. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to just pass over to Nikki so she can remind people how, how you can get involved in tonight's episode. Yeah, we're talking about revalidation, so we really want to hear your experiences and any questions you've got, because this is a really useful um way of working and being able to look at your practice just generally but also for this very significant and important part so if you're watching us on um facebook you can just comment away and i'll see your um, comments and feed them back and if you want to ask questions you can do that via x or twitter by using the hashtag mhtv so obviously we're keen to hear from you thanks dave brilliant uh, and tonight we are very luckily Lucky to be joined by an expert guest on revalidation and all things regulation. It's uh, Jane Beach. So, Jane, do you want to just spend a few moments uh, sort of introducing yourself? Yes, no problem. Thanks, Dave and, and Nikki. I'm Jane Beach. I am the lead professional officer for regulation with Unite. So I've been in this role for over 11 years now, I think. So I'm not saying I know everything about regulation because, you know, it changes so frequently that I certainly don't, but hopefully can be helpful. And Dave and I were involved in the original pilot for revalidation. Um, gosh, I can't remember how many years ago, actually, but we've revalidated three or maybe four times now. So, um yeah, so we do have quite a bit of experience between us and and hopefully because revalidation is something that does keep cropping up, um, hopefully it'll be useful if we go through it with you. Well, yeah, and just to sort of explain why we've picked the topic tonight, uh, there's a couple of reasons, really. The first one is that one of our MHA members got in touch just to say that they were due to revalidate uh, and felt that it'd be really good for us to have, a, have an episode that focused on it. Uh, and obviously, that we thought that was a great idea. Uh, the other thing is it, it kind of goes in power, parallel really nicely with something else that we've tried to do. Uh, I think the last two years, because uh, that's how long MHTV has been running, is have a bit of a kind of a review of the year at the end of the year. So uh, what we've tried to do in the past is is get together the three of us, myself, Nikki and Vanessa, as uh, the co-founders the co of MHTV, uh, and just look back over the last year. I know Vanessa's sad not to be uh, joining in tonight. She's got other stuff that, that means that she can't be here. Uh, but she has sent us a few things that we're going to share later from her perspective of, of what were her highlights for the year. So yeah, it just felt like a really good opportunity to kind of mash the two together. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, Jane, before we kind of look specifically on uh, NMC revalidation, I thought, you know, would, it, would you be able to kind of say a few words about how uh, kind of how prolific revalidation is across lots of different of the healthcare regulators? Do, do they all do something similar or um... not? Well, they all do something similar. Obviously, we know that um, GMC registrants revalidate and their revalidation process is, is a bit different to, to the NMC process. HCPC registrants um, have CPD, so they don't have revalidation as such, but they do have requirements around CPD um, that they need to do. And you know, other regulators I'm probably less familiar with, but they will all have something along the same lines. 
Um, obviously, with the NMC, for those of you, you know, who like me really, and and probably Dave and Nikki remember too, we had prep before revalidation. Um, and I'm trying to even coming back I don't to know me. if I can even remember <laughs> what prep stands for, to be honest. It seems, you know, so far ago. But um, so revalidation kind of built on that. So so we've always had some expectation of having to keep ourselves up to date and fit to practice. I think revalidation just really kind of firmed up and provided a bit more structure around that process and and obviously you know was a bit more along similar lines to to what our doctor colleagues have to do so um is that sufficient on that do you think dave yeah yeah that's, that's brilliant and i suppose just sort of rewinding to the introduction of of revalidation kind of what was the nmc hoping to kind of achieve with bringing it in yeah i think really i mean it's it's about maintaining the professionalism isn't it it's about being able to demonstrate that you you do remain fit to practice and you do remain up to date and just having something a bit more structured but it you know i think the introduction of the professional discussion was to kind of raise the the level of professionalism and to you know for us all to kind of you know, recognise and celebrate the fact that we are, you know, we are professionals. And um, yeah, and I think it's just, you know, with PrEP, it was always, you know, I think people got so used to it that they, although there was an audit process, not many people really knew anybody that had been called to demonstrate their PrEP. So over time, I think everybody had possibly become a little bit complacent and and maybe weren't doing it in, in the way that they could to maximise, you know, the potential. So I, that's something they've tried to address with revalidation and certainly we are finding, you know, actually we've had quite a few cases where members have been picked up for issues in their revalidation. So it's quite clear that the NMC are paying attention to, you know, to what we're doing every three years. So, um, you know, that hopefully raises standards and and provides assurance to protect the public, because obviously that's, you know, the main aim of of the NMC and all of the regulators, their goal is to protect the public. So, mm -hmm. so by demonstrating that we are up to date and fit to practice, we are helping to protect the public too. Yeah, and and I know I I was never at my prep folder was never demanded uh, mm -hmm. a, a copy to be seen. I don't know, Nikki, did you ever face prep? I said did. Uh, I'm on. You did. did. Oh, twenty three okay. or twenty four have been qualified now. I was kidnapped into nursing as a child, as you remember, Dave. And <laughs> <laughs> um, what I do remember is I had a box. You know, you're supposed to have this folder. And anytime yeah. I went on training, I just threw whatever, like, certificate I got into this box. And when I finally came to tip it out, like, years and years later, because it built up into, like, layers. It was like excavating mm. back through time. And one of the first pieces of training I ever went on was training on how to work a Word document, which dates me a lot yeah. and the training took all day i'm like what did they <laughs> teach me about a word document that took all day for me yeah. to understand it so that's quite yeah. how far it went back but i think you know when you think you can have training for me 20 odd years ago that i qualified mm. how much has changed how much has gone mm. forward mm. And, and the idea that someone wouldn't be up to date is quite frightening really yeah yeah. So I think sometimes you have it in your head as oh this this chore that you have to do and it's like a paper mm. exercise, but actually 
when you think about it, it's not about us is it it's exactly as you say jane about keeping people safe yeah. it feels yeah. very different it feels like yeah. something's a lot more meaningful and i think yeah. reflective practice is something which we can talk about as well because that i think some people take to it more naturally than others and yeah. i think even some of the fields find it perhaps easier because you do more i think in mental health you do a lot more of it than maybe you do yeah. in other fields in terms of yeah. emphasis yeah, yeah. I, I suppose I suppose one of the things that I found you know like Jane said having revalidated three times already yeah. I, I think one of the maybe the criticisms and one of the benefits of it is that I think you get out of it what you put in really yeah. that the, the, there is potential or there is the ability to to give it a very kind of short shrift and to not focus on it not 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 do a, a great job on it but still to do it kind of thing and and I think that that is I think you get a lot less out of it than, than that. But I, I suppose maybe giving a few examples of that, Jane, do you want to just kind of talk us through a few of the elements of it and we'll maybe, you know, sort of yeah. delve a bit deeper as you go through them? Yeah, because I, I must admit, I do think with with prep, I think it's like Nikki said, I can remember, I think my employer at the time gave me a folder. So, you know, I had a folder with everything in it. But revalidation just feels as if there is, you know, there's much more structure around it, which feels really helpful um, to me. I mean, as Dave said, I've revalidated three times because we did it in the pilot as part of the pilot. So so it's twice, you know, for real, I suppose. Um, but it just, you know, it just feels a little bit easier to be more organised. So. Obviously, the practice hours remain the same. We had those in prep, so that's 450 practice hours over the the, the time of, um, you know, over the three-year period. Um, obviously, if you're dual registered, so nurse and midwife, then you have to do 450 in each of those, so that would be 900 Um, We still have requirements around CPD, 35 hours, so that, I think, is the same. The difference is that 20 of those hours must be participatory. So, for example, today I did an equality and diversity course, which was online. But, you know, we had um, rooms. So we went out into breakout rooms and we had quizzes and we had discussions. So so that obviously is participatory. So it doesn't mean you have to be in the same room. It's just as long as you've had the opportunity to talk talk through with with other people so um and you have to have five pieces of practice related feedback um you know which can come from any source really and i'm sure you know i think in our role dave it might be because we're in slightly different roles so it might be helpful if if both ourselves and nikki talk about what kind of practice related feedback we use so um for me yeah, shall, shall I, shall, oh, I was going to say shall I give you an example yeah uh, and, yeah yeah so uh, one of the roles that I've got at Unite is I chair the odd conference uh, and uh, not an odd conference I mean infrequent <laughs> conference uh, and uh, what's really helpful for those is that quite often they get feedback on the different sessions that uh, are done and also the uh, feedback for the uh, for the chairing 
Uh, and it's great for my revalidation because, you know, I've got a nice kind of uh, spreadsheet with all my kind of scores back from everyone uh, mm. and sort of some narratives in terms of what they found went well and, and what they found didn't go so well. Mm. Uh, so I, th I think that's one happily that's quite a positive. I suppose one of the things about the practice related feedback is, you know, do you pick five really glowing positive things that people say about you? Or do you try and, you know, feed in some of them that are, are, are not so positive? Uh, and, and I suppose, you know, there are those situations where, you know, supporting members in the workplace where maybe a member felt that I didn't do the thing that they wanted me to do. So maybe sort of voices, uh, not always a, a particular complaint, but, you know, just sort of like feeds back that they weren't, uh, 100% happy uh, and that's really helpful too isn't it because that can uh, you know that can sort of go really nicely in your practice related feedback part mm -hmm. of your folder uh, and, and and that that that's really really helpful uh, I suppose you know the other thing for me you know over the last sort of period of my revalidation I had the my experience of going back uh, you know to work on in, in COVID vaccination centre mm -hmm. uh, and again you know obviously having all the different uh, bits of feedback that I got from members of the public in terms of, you know, the service that we delivered there. Uh, and you don't have to just use the feedback that you get as an individual, do you, Jane? You can also use feedback that you get as a team or as a, yeah. as a kind yeah. of a collective. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's also really helpful. And but would you use feedback that you got from an appraisal? If you had an appraisal and you got feedback on your practice, would you use that? Yeah, that's a really good example, isn't it? And, and I suppose, again, the, the interesting thing for us is that we don't work in traditional, you know, mm. nursing roles. So the, the feedback that we might get may be more focused, say, on communication style. Mm. It may be focused on other elements that the code demands of us, but mm. aren't in direct patient care. Mm. And I suppose you, you'll be the same, Nikki, working in education, won't you? Mm. <laughs> I still have um, a patient contact through voluntary um, work that I do as mm. well mm. Um, but I have to say people often think if you move out of education you have less contact with mental health I wouldn't say that that's true <laughs> not in the current very stressful experiences that um, people people have I mean working conditions we've got strike action here like we have in many places mm. um, we have in nurses using food banks we do a lot of CPD we do a lot of work with nurses mm. and so um, students are really having such difficult experiences at the moment that mm. the mental health work and mental health referral are absolutely part of academic work mm. it actually helps to be a nurse academic mm. I think it's much easier for us than it is for perhaps um, academics from different disciplines who mm. perhaps aren't used to risk assessment and things like that Mm. so um yeah i wouldn't necessarily use um something like that as a reflection but certainly things like um, conferences learning experiences which i guess where mhtv comes in mm. um, structured and uh, informal but even things like if you've if you've read um, an article or a book or something that's been particularly meaningful to you mm. um things as well uh, such as voluntary activity but also looking at the code of conduct and seeing what have i done or change my practice mm. in relation to that because we're always learning and growing aren't we all the time I think if yeah. you are going to use something that's negative you just need to be a bit careful about it in the same mm. way that when you're in um, an interview and people say tell us about your strengths and weaknesses you don't go well I'm an alcoholic mm. <laughs> that, that would be a very bad idea so when you're looking at things um in terms of exploring things which you're working on or or that maybe our practice didn't go brilliantly mm. 
first of all, make sure that obviously you're not breaking confidentiality yeah. for other people's you. business, but also very much that it's something that you're demonstrating learning through, mm. not persistent, bad, poor practice. That's mm. so just for, for your se- sense of self as a, as a nurse. I think it's really mm. important to have a bit of insight about how you present your work. Mm. Because that's what you're doing, isn't it? So on one level, of course, as Dave says, don't just gather up every time someone said you're great and look at that mm. because that's not really growth and learning. But at the same time, growth and learning has to be something that's quite measured and quite thoughtful when you're when you're exploring that side of things. And and not to lay yourself open, I think, shows that you're quite professional. Yeah. So how you discuss yeah. problems Do you is have important. systems in place to get feedback, Nikki, or... Oh, yeah. Just as, yeah. Yeah. Find me someone in health, social care, education who's not surrounded by metrics. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a module feedback, we have student feedback, we have partner feedback. Yeah. um, Yeah. You name it. So we're constantly um, observed and commented on, which is absolutely reasonable because people are paying for it now. Yeah. Yeah. But also, then we have the same kind of performance reviews, I think, against um, expectations that all health and social care staff have. Mm -hmm. Nikki, so I, I suppose, how do you kind of all those bits of practice related feedback together or do you kind of leave it to you know three months before your revalidation date and you think oh I better get searching on my emails <laughs> well one of my um old bosses years and years ago said keep a thank you folder and I think it's a really good idea to keep it for all sorts of things so every year I, I, I've like thank yous 20 2030 2023 and anytime someone says thank you I just automatically put it into that folder because mm. there's a lot of things that I think all health workers do that aren't technically their jobs mm. but they get they don't they don't necessarily measure the kind of constant impact that you do and I think if all your metrics are set by management or by um those kind of arbitrary systems you mm. can miss a lot of the really good important growth that you make across a year if Mm. you don't keep um, an impact of the kind of personal um, impact you've had on people Mm. and I think even for those days when you're like what am I doing here because everyone has what what am I doing here days it's quite nice to look back over them and see actually over the course of this year this is how many people have actually stopped to thank me and I'd say 99% of people don't always thank you (laughs) particularly but generally um and it's really important to see oh I did that and it worked or I did that and I've learned from it or this is something I should do more of so it's very easy I think when you're reflecting to think about the things that you are struggling with that you're not doing as well as you might but Mm. for some reason I think particularly health professionals can be quite tough on themselves in terms of their expectations Mm. and they forget all the good things they do and all the small changes they make in people's lives Mm. and that stuff is really important to to focus on and consider I think so I would say to anyone who doesn't keep a thank you folder just keep thank you folder and just put put emails in as they come through um, and all of a sudden it captures a load of work that you do that explains why you're so tired all the time (laughs) that maybe isn't seen by other people yeah and as you say it's they're quite useful to reflect on because not everybody does say thank you it doesn't mean they're not thankful but you know the fact that somebody has taken the time and energy to you know especially if they've written a thank you then you know it's really useful to reflect and think well what was it about what I did that made them do that then and you know and how do I feel about that and Mm -hmm. you know and and how can I learn from that to other interactions and yeah so really positive so I mean obviously Jane Jane, I was going to say then you know it sounds like you're leading us into the next requirement of 
NMC revalidation there with the same <laughs> re reflection a few I times. Was, yeah, I was, I was trying to seamlessly <laughs> move into that one. So, so we have to have five written reflections, and and this is this was obviously a change from prep, and I and I think you know a useful one. Again, you might kind of think, oh, it's a bit daunting you know having to do five written reflections but they're not you know they're not assignments they're not nobody's kind of looking at the word count or the spelling or the way it's written these are for you to kind of you know as we say think about feedback or think about any cpd activity or any interactions that you've had you know anything that's happened in practice whether that's good or bad or you know and and think of it in terms of the code and its relevance to the code and i think this is one of the most useful bits really because particularly i think we found dave in our roles that you know often we are questioned you know well how, how can you still be on the register if you're not you know having face-to-face -face contact with you know patients clients you know we're from a health visiting background so we you know for us they were clients but service users um you know how can you still be on the register and i think doing this and linking it to the code was what made me feel reassured that actually we are still using our our nursing health visiting skills um, within the role that we do. It's just in a different way. And a lot of people fit into that kind of category. So um, I think it's been really helpful. The, the NMC are, are kind of they've made a slight change from when revalidation first started and now they are asking us also to look at the proficiencies that would relate to our scope of practice. So for us, it would be the, the new specialist community public health nursing standards. So they're asking us to look at that within the within our scope of practice and see how, you know, how we are still meeting those standards. And, and that can actually be a, a useful way of saying to an employer, actually, do you know, I need to maintain my competency in this. So I need to do CPD in X, Y and Z. So, again, shouldn't be viewed negatively. You know, all of these yeah. things can be helpful because anybody employing registrants needs to make sure those registrants can meet the requirements, you know, that their regulator sets out. So can actually be really helpful. So um and obviously, again, as as Nikki said before, you know, we always have to make sure we don't have any identifiable information in there, whether that's personal information or organisational information. So, so just write your reflections in a really kind of you know objective way, and and um, yeah, and, you know, don't use any kind of identifying information. But I think they're very useful. I don't know what you two think. I was going to say, yeah. just up on a point you just made. Sorry, Dave, butting in. Do you want me to stop? No I don't go. know. You just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that idea that um, it can help pinpoint um, study that you need to undertake is really important because we don't, a lot a lot of times now our managers are from different disciplines mm. and they wouldn't necessarily know what you don't know. So not only have you got the, the issue of like everybody's personal learning is different and everybody's jobs as they change require new learning and as standards change require new learning, but also the fact that that's, it's not automatic that people understand what you need to know anymore. Sorry, Dave, did you want to finish your thought? 
No, no. I, what I was going to say was uh, just to sort of follow up with with what Jane was saying in terms of reflective accounts, uh, and and obviously we need to do five of them, uh, and they can come from either CPD and or practice related feedback and or an event or experience in your practice and how it relates to the code. So you've got kind of three broad areas or you know a, a mixture of them that you can sort of pick for for the five. Uh, <laughs> Jane, I suppose, you know, a set-up question. Uh, where, where do we record this, Jane? Yeah, the NMC have got um, forms on there. So um, the reflective, dis um, yeah. Sorry, the, the reflective accounts form. Reflective Sorry. accounts form, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and again, that's, you know, you don't, well, you do have to use the form, but you can do, you know, whatever kind of way of reflection that best suits you, really, because there are different models. So um, but I must admit, I do find the form helps to direct your kind of reflection, because as Nikki said before, some people find it easier than others. And and, you know, I mean, I think most of us, to be fair, you know, we may not think we're very good at reflection, but actually we are always reflecting, aren't we? You know, in any encounter you have, you, oh gosh, you know, actually, you know, that didn't go very well. Um, and I want, you know, what could I have done? What, you know, so I think we naturally do reflect, but maybe what we don't do is, is write it down. So, um, but by writing it down, that, that kind of helps the process. So, so yes, there are forms, you know, the NMC have got guidance on the website, um, and there's got all the forms there. So, so you can be really organized and, and it's very, yeah, I, I find it good, you know, I, I must admit, I do, like most people, I intend as soon as I've done my revalidation, I think, right, okay, I'm going to do one regularly. And, you know, unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. But, but mm. doing this tonight has made me think, right, okay, I do need to do. Well, <laughs> it, it, it's funny you mentioned that, Jane, because... <laughs> It's funny you mention that, Jane, because I've done a reflective form this afternoon, uh, focusing on uh, the, one of the uh, episodes from MHTV. Oh, uh, so okay. you, you, meant, you, me you mentioned earlier that we, uh, you know, we have to do 35 hours of CPD, mm. uh, at least 20 of those hours participatory. Uh, and MHTV is such a great uh, sort of vehicle to, to tick off many of those hours. Mm. Uh, you know, for, for someone that's watching tonight's episode who doesn't engage via Twitter, who doesn't post comments or questions on Facebook, then they can definitely, you know, get part of the uh, 20, uh, sorry, the, the, the 35 hours of, you know, the non-participatory element. Mm -hmm. But if they are posting questions, comments, joining in with the discussion, then mm -hmm. that then does convert them over to the participatory learning. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, you know, that's that's a really helpful kind of vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, and and like I say, you know, I've, I've kind of thought back to my favourite episode of uh, 2023. Uh, we've done just over 40 episodes, Nikki, which I think, you know, is a great testament to, you know, our sort of resilience to get together every Wednesday uh, mm -hmm. to do an MHTV episode. Uh, and actually, when I was looking at my favourite, there's a few that kind of jumped out at me. Uh, but the one that I picked was actually from last January, uh, and it was episode 111, uh, and it was understanding PMDD. 
which is premenstrual dysphoric uh, disorder. Mm. Uh, and, you know, like I say, just in terms of filling in the form, uh, what was the nature of the CPD activity? Well, it was an episode of weekly Facebook Live program MHTV on which I act either as a presenter or produce the episodes behind the scenes. Uh, I was actually a, a presenter on that episode, and Nikki and Vanessa, we 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 did it as a as a threesome on that uh, that episode. Uh, and what did I learn from the CPD activity? Uh, well, it was focused on PMDD, something that I'd not previously heard of. Uh, and obviously, as a registered specialist community public health nurse, health visitor, I really recognise the need to stay up to date with my knowledge and skills while I'm not in frontline practice. And therefore, the MHTV episodes that are of relevance to my scope of practice are of special interest to me. Uh, I usually know which ones they are because Nikki makes reference to the fact that I'm a health visitor. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've, I've kind of, you know, on the form, I've, I've put some notes down in terms of what PMDD is. Uh, obviously learning that uh, during the episode that it's uh, a cyclical hormone-based mood disorder with symptoms arising during the premenstrual or luteal phase of the menstrual cycle uh, and it affects an estimated 5.5% of women. Uh, also kind of one of the benefits of being involved with MHTV behind the scenes is that alongside talking to the guests and asking them questions we also do a bit of work of sharing resources and information uh, and including for that episode, you know, linking to the International Association for Premenstrual Disorders uh, and kind of linking to the information on their website and then reviewing that afterwards. Uh, also shared information from the episode on a number of occasions in other work that I've done across the year. Because uh, obviously one of the things is it's, it's lovely to learn things and to share information, but it shouldn't just be the end of the process, should it? It should be, you know, what do we do with that information? So for example, I work alongside the Maternal Mental Health Alliance at times, uh, and this is a subject that's really, really relevant to that work. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the other things that I think has been really nice this year, and especially as a male healthcare professional, uh, is that Nikki is such a great advocate uh, for women's health and women's mental health issues uh, and I think that's been a really nice sort of thread through a number of the episodes that we featured uh, and I think this was absolutely one of them uh, and also recognizing the kind of the bias that we have towards women's experience for example of pain or mm -hmm. minimizing their experiences of pain uh, and the kind of the, the mental health impacts of, of being a woman. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, that, that's been a really nice feature, not just of that episode, but of quite a lot of the content that we've, we've provided this year. Mm. Uh, just the last uh, section of the uh, reflective accounts form is to look at how it's relevant to the code. So I reckon it's relevant in at least two different areas. The first is in prioritising people uh, and section three say make sure that people's physical, social and psychological needs are assessed and responded to. And to achieve that under 3.1, you have to pay special attention to promoting well-being, preventing ill health and meeting the changing health and care needs of people during all life stages. Uh, and then practice if effectively, that's another of the four P's that the NMC demand of us in the code. Uh, and section six says, always practice in line with the best available evidence. Uh, hopefully, you know, absolutely doing that because we had a, a, an international expert on the subject on the MHTV episode. Mm -hmm. And to achieve it under 6.2, I need to maintain the knowledge and skills you need for safe and effective practice. 
So hopefully, you know, that's been a bit of an example of, of how you can fill in a reflective accounts form using one of the MHTV episodes that I certainly in, enjoyed this year. Mm. So that, that's kind of mine. I would imagine that, you know, what you learn will also help you in this role, Dave, working with members, because, you know, where, you know, you don't know, do you, when you may come across, you know, a member where this is an issue and it's caused problems in the workplace and, you know, it's it's all very relevant, isn't it? And but... Yeah, certainly. And, and and one of the examples of that is that the, the, the work that our trade union is doing around uh, uh, men, men, you know, menstrual health. You know, uh, mm-hmm. that the, there's quite a, a, a large sort of section yeah, of work being done on that, including the menopause. And, yeah. yeah, 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 all very relevant. So, yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully, Jane, when when I come to you for a reflective discussion, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a bit, you won't feel too bad that you've got to listen to that one again. <laughs> well, I have to read it, don't I? That's the thing. You have to share your written reflections with the person that you're having your reflective discussion with before I move on to that was there anything Nikki you wanted to say about um just that we've been tweeting out or xing out whatever you call it (laughs) I know (laughs) all the different documentations and links to the web pages it does seem like there's some trouble on um x twitter or whatever we're going to call it these days um with um links being seen but <clears throat> if you go to the nmc website yeah or google revalid nmc yeah. revalidation or any other revalidation so, it'll come up yeah. so, so all that so, documentation is there and also guidance on how you might want to get started so yeah. i think when people first look at it they're like how much paper is this yeah so i think just perhaps a few a few um thoughts on how you might want to start your process how you might want to start collecting your evidence how you might want to think think the task through yeah and I think it's just you know starting it once you've done one it it does seem much better really because you know you've only got four to do then and and because you've got you know you've got three years to do it it shouldn't really be an onerous task well you've got a bit less than three years haven't you really but um so yeah so once you've got your reflective pieces you you arrange a reflective discussion ideally with another nmc registrant and it should really be somebody that's more senior to you i think the nmc have have tightened up a little bit on this so that um they now you know say that you have to kind of think of conflict of interest so you know you can't have a family member or a friend do your reflective discussion or your confirmation because you know there could definitely be a conflict there so so you know choose very carefully who you have your reflective discussion with it should be a supportive discussion so it's got to be somebody that you do feel comfortable with and you don't necessarily have to have the same person that does your confirmation so so as you alluded to before you know we're not all managed by nmc registrants so so often we do have our confirmation with somebody that isn't an nmc registrant but we have to find somebody to do our reflective discussion so it should be somebody familiar with your kind of scope of practice with your work um and as i say should be a supportive discussion really and a good you know opportunity it's not an opportunity to pick people up for fitness to practice that's not um revalidation's role you know if people have concerns about people's practice they should deal with those in the usual way and not wait for revalidation so um although obviously if revalidation isn't done 
correctly, then then it can lead to um, fitness to practice concerns. But um, yeah, so and you can have the reflective discussion. I think it's up to a year, isn't it, before you actually are due to revalidate. So um, again, you don't have to leave it till the last minute, although often people do. Um, and there's a form specifically for that. So you're, you know, obviously the person you're having it with has to know that they're doing it, has to agree that they're doing it, has to be willing to sign the form. So I think we've had a couple of instances where where people have, you know, thought they'd got somebody to do their reflective discussion and had kind of filled all the paperwork in beforehand only then to find that the person can no longer do it and that's caused a few issues so um so yeah it's best to follow the process properly really anything else either of you want to say on the reflective discussion um if you follow the documentation it's pretty clear what you need to do the date of the discussion, as you say, is very important mm-hmm. to make sure that both parties actually have actively consented. They know what they're doing, but also bringing your five reflective accounts um, to share with that person. And I guess exactly as you say, it must be someone who you kind of trust to mm-hmm. support you mm-hmm. and help you with your learning. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting choice of who you'll pick. But I, mm-hmm. I like to think in nursing that we do have um a culture of, of helping each other to learn from mm. students upwards. So hopefully you'll be able to find plenty of people who'll be able to support you with that. Um, yeah. I think one of the things you, you might want to think about in terms of learning development, particularly if you're using MHTV, is um, choosing something that, you know, if it's choosing one maybe even that's coming up that you can get involved in a discussion with online to say, actually, I did participate in this so that you're learning. You know, it's great for, if, if someone has an interest in one of the episodes that's previously been recorded, mm. but I think there is some merit to actually joining in with a discussion as well. And we've seen some really interesting, all our discussions where people have joined in have been much richer, I think, mm. um, in terms of, of of how the discussions then evolved. And I think because people can tweet or, or they can join in by Facebook, I think that does make a difference. If someone isn't sure about something or wants to check something out or wants to ask a question, that that's always really useful, I think, to say that not only are you learning, but you're actually participating and creating that learning as well. I think that, mm. you know, when you were professional, your learning shouldn't be at worst I think healthcare learning can be you know when you get sent on those courses you just tap through them on the computer mm-hmm. and you see people tapping at the speed of light whizzing through health and safety yeah. courses you're like this feels not safe so yeah. there's something yeah. about actually having interactive learning and taking charge of your your learning understanding what gaps in your knowledge you need to fill in and also finding some joy in it you know because mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things when I was practice development nurse, I, I could see at times the learning that we were sent on was or we were asked to create was almost like rubber stamping. Mm. Like now this is your fault if you don't get it right. And that mm. feels like it takes away some of the joy around our learning and development because yeah. it should be something that you feel is strengthening your practice. That's helping you refine your professional identity. That's that's. um demonstrating your expertise that's kind of growing your interest and your passion for your subject it shouldn't be something that takes that passion away Mm. I think Mm. one of the things that's quite handy about MHTV is that you can access it whenever you want but also um you can ask for topics if you don't know like tonight's is is a requested topic or Mm. you can participate in that learning and I think you know we're grown-ups now we're not students anymore and I think that's part of your responsibility is to actually create your own learning environments Mm. 
and, and pinpoint you know where we all need to do better and support each other's learning yeah. the other thing that I, I think is quite useful is um when you finished a busy shift or something like that, it's actually quite hard to take in information sometimes. You know, you've got kids to look after, dogs to walk, vacuum cleaning to It's just busy, busy, busy. And actually being able to consume learning in different ways is really handy as well. Mm. I can remember when I first started out, um, right back at the start of my practice, when <clears throat> novel antipsychotics were coming in, which puts me in the 90s, um, I was trying to understand the articles I was reading and I didn't understand them well enough to understand that they were making, they were overclaiming, should we politely mm. say, mm. in terms of their efficacy. Um, and now I look at it as someone who's got a lot of experience in reading articles. I was like, okay, yeah. but there's some good parts in there, but that's not all the whole story. Yeah. Whereas I think having discussions can be a little bit easier to understand and actually being able to listen to stuff on podcasts. And there's yeah. so many great yeah, podcasts, podcasts out there for, for nurses and people interested yeah. in health and social care and education. And, yeah. and you can have a much kind of broader interest it doesn't need to be i only want to listen to venue puncture stuff mm -hmm. it's actually you know understanding debates understanding mm -hmm. kind of the political context you work in is really important for your nursing practice mm -hmm. so i'd say it's not just like skills which seem kind of biomedically based i think having a really good social political holistic understanding of your profession and your responsibilities mm -hmm. and the areas of interest that impacts is really important mm -hmm. so for me that the episode i picked was the one about misogyny and masculinity mm -hmm. which was so interesting and it was a lot of it that a lot of my learning out of it was obviously as dave said i've got real interest in women's well-being mm -hmm. but to have an interest in women's well-being without thinking about how we talk to and support young men yeah you know yeah. it's 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 only one side of the story isn't it and it kind of was yes. great for me to be reminded actually you know we we live in the society we make together and that's mm -hmm. how our health is impacted by the way that we treat each other mm -hmm. you know and if we don't speak to each other with respect then we're not going to get respect back <laughs> so there was something about the way that she that the, the um the, our, our speaker was talking about the importance of giving information and hearing information mm -hmm. and i think as an as a nurse as professionals generally sometimes we get so used to being in that kind of alpha position of giving yeah. health information yeah. that we yeah. can almost dispense it instead of have health conversations. Yeah. And so I really like the way that she was talking about, you know, equalizing power in health conversations mm -hmm. and understanding that how, how people are seen in society can actually um, push people away from you when the whole point of, of health and social care is to bring people together, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So for me, I really like the way she was talking about respect and understanding um, and listening to each other with less high-pitched emotion because yeah. that's something I think over the last five years we've really seen an explosion in, particularly yeah. Yeah. on social media, you know, and other places where, you know, we've, we're having health and well-being debates is that they can be totally overshadowed by... Um, anger and blame and all yeah, kinds of things which yeah. are not health promoting which are not professional which no, are not kind no you know? no so for me okay. I, I, there was there was lots of things that I took from what she was saying about the subject about the way that I communicate about the, mm. my area of interest my scope of interest and how all that sort of feeds back together so I found that a really mm. valuable and interesting piece of work that was being done and also it was coming from research as well so it's telling me, I mean, I did, I promise, go and read her research, but mm. I, I didn't have to because she explained yeah. it to me like I was an idiot, so it's handy. <laughs> I think that's really useful as well. Yeah. So you'll be able to write that one up and have I will be writing one up. I'll revalidate in May. Yeah. May. And that's another thing to think about, I think. So 
if you know that you were validating, for example, me in May, I've mm. started thinking about it now and yeah. I'm starting to collect ideas and examples, yeah. just keeping it, you know, as things come up, just putting it in a revalidation folder on my yeah. desktop because I know, as you point out, Jane, not everybody yeah early bird when it comes to deadlines yeah <laughs> well well no i think yeah and it's important to get ahead of it not. because otherwise yeah. i think a lot of people who get into trouble around documentation like this people leave it to the last minute then out of nowhere have to create five yeah. conversations or five yeah. reflections and a conversation and get it in and try trouble. and get their reflective discussion partner lined yeah. up and then their confirmer and and as you say you know if it's may you have to have everything submitted by the end of well it's at least a month before isn't it so you know that that takes a bit of uh, time off so so yeah so just to finish the process obviously health Mm. and character we have to declare that we're of good health and character we have to have a professional indemnity arrangement and then you have a confirmation um discussion and the, the you know that is normally with your line manager um and as I say, if if your reflective discussion partner is your line manager and they're an NMC registrant, they can do both, but you know they don't have to. So if your line manager mm. is not an NMC registrant, they can still do the confirmation. And there's good guidance on the website for them, and and you can have a read through that too. Mm. Um, and they don't have to read your reflective accounts um they just have to see that you have done five so the idea is not that they go through everything again it's that they you know they kind of verify that they've seen evidence that you've done all of the elements of revalidation so that's the purpose of that really um and then everything gets sent off online to the nmc and obviously you have to pay your money as well when that comes up so um so that's revalidation the nmc are going to be reviewing it fairly soon um they'll be looking at the code again as well and they will be looking at revalidation so so i would make a plea really to to you know stay in touch with us and and when we start looking at revalidation again we'll maybe do another one and talk through the changes that the nmc are going to make if they're going to make any so um that'll be interesting to see i think so but um yeah thank you for the opportunity to talk through it it seems a long time since i've talked about revalidation we did a lot of it in the beginning and but i think it's very timely because post covid obviously there were quite a lot of you know there was a um an easing you know the I'm trying to think of the word the NMC gave a little more flexible, bit of leeway, more flexibility, yeah, and for people around revalidation. Well, of course, that's all gone now. So some people have been caught out by that and and thought they'd possibly got longer than they have got to do it. So, so I'd urge everybody to be really clear about when your revalidation submission date is and work back from that and give yourself plenty of time to do it. Jane, it's probably helpful to highlight that the way you find out your revalidation date, if it's not already burnt into your brain, yeah. is if you go to your NMC online account, uh, it will tell you your date of revalidation. Mm. So, for example, my date of revalidation is the uh, end of September 2025, my next one. So I know that that's yeah. when I've got to be uh, ready. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I'm not sure if it's actually on your um registration as well you know if you search yourself on the register 
I'm just going to do that and see if it is. I don't think it is. I just think that shows if it's if you've got a current registration or not. Right. Uh, the, the, the other thing that I was uh, that I thought you know an interesting point to make to, to tonight as well is uh, revalidation isn't now just for nurses and midwives. Uh, it's also for nursing associates as well. So yeah. the nursing associates have exactly the same requirements uh, under revalidation as uh, nurses and midwives do. Uh, and also there's information on the NMC website for those nursing associates that are currently training to be uh, ed being educated to be uh, registered nurses or mm. uh, midwives themselves. Uh, mm. So, yeah, so uh, there's, there's information on there as well. And it's, it's, it's things like you're not allowed to use your you're not allowed to use your student nurse hours towards your practice hours as a nurse and associate, you know, in sort of those kind of interesting points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nikki, I, I did want to give kind of like a voice to Vanessa, who can't join us tonight. Yeah. Uh, and she wanted to just highlight a couple of her uh, most enjoyable episodes of the year. Uh, so she really enjoyed, you'll be unsurprised to hear the health injustice themed episodes. Uh, you know, she's been an amazing advocate yeah. for uh, healthcare in prisons yeah. uh, over the years and certainly has, has really thread that through uh, MHTV as well. I think she also really liked the link to the conference that Health Injustice did uh, and kind of how she could continue some of the discussions that happened at a face-to-face -face physical conference mm. online. Uh, and I think that's been a nice feature of MHTV as well, isn't it, where we've done things like supported the Skellen Lecture in 2023. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, thanks to colleagues at Cardiff University that got us uh, involved in that. Mm. Uh, she also wanted to highlight the one on uh, the feminist approaches to suicide prevention that mm. happened just a few weeks ago mm. uh, and also one that happened last week with colleagues from the Jabali network yeah uh, so she, she's she's picked a few from from across the year mm. uh, and she also wanted to highlight the one that she that she did with Beverly Powell uh, one of her colleagues that that she really enjoyed, yeah. uh, and she I think she likes reflecting on professional journeys, not just practice issues, but yeah. kind of you know the, the 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 journeys that people have had in in mental health nursing, which yeah. has been a nice feature of some of the episodes that we've we've ha had. Yeah. I suppose you know we we're very much getting towards the end of the time that we've had tonight. Uh, you know, to say thank you to Jane for some really helpful insight into the the world of of revalidation. I did. I don't know if you've got any final points you wanted to make, Jane, or if you feel like you've covered everything already. I don't think so. It's quite interesting. You do think, oh gosh, you know, talking about revalidation, but actually we've done really well. We've spoken about it probably longer than we thought we would. So it just goes to show. I mean, I just think you know, try not to view it as something that's onerous. I think, I know when I kind of, you know, when I do revalidate and then you look back over the previous three years, because I've probably still got all of that, you know, it's, um, you know, you're just like, wow, gosh, yes, I did that. And oh, wow, I did, you know, I find it really quite rewarding. So I think if we view it positively, it, it doesn't become a burden. So, but, but yeah, as we've already said, you know, try and be prepared and, and if you need help, you know, please shout up and, you know, there is help. And and anybody that's in any particularly difficult circumstances, you know, contact the NMC. There will always be, you know, they will try and help. They're not there to catch you out. So, yeah. But Yeah, absolutely. There's there's, there's places to help, including uh, with, with our organisation for members. Uh, Nikki, have you got any final thoughts on today's episode or on 2023? 
Well, that's not a broad question, is it? <laughs> Lots of thoughts on 2023, but I'll keep those to myself. Um, we haven't had any questions um, exactly, but thank you, JC. We've got people watching. Hello. Um, I think we've been, I think perhaps to say thank you to the people who've given up their time, because obviously this is mm. all free and gratis voluntary. And I think one of the things that makes it quite a lovely project is that anybody can can watch so people can get access to researchers to practitioners to specialist knowledge to conferences that maybe aren't that easy to get hold of so um i will say thank you to everyone who's come on really and we've had so many people to far too many people to 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 single them out who have talked about their journeys and i've talked about you know their personal experiences of illness and their thoughts on being professionals and particularly people who have come from um, minority backgrounds, I would say, of all different kinds mm. or marginalised backgrounds of all different kinds and actually come on and, and shared that experience. Because I think to see those journeys are really important for us all mm. as practitioners mm. so that we understand, you know, we understand each other a bit better. And, and the sacrifices that people make to do this work, I think, is really inspiring and it's very um, one of the things I think that makes me want to do this is to be able to talk to as many people as possible and to be really inspired by other people and um, whatever we can do to support them is is exciting, I think. Um, so for me, 2023 has been really interesting. I've certainly learned a lot. And um, I would also say thank you to Dave because Dave spends a lot of time off screen <laughs> sorting everything out and getting no glory for it, which is always harsh. Yeah. Okay. So thank you. No, that's what I like We appreciate you, Dave. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I suppose it's, it's one of those things, isn't it, Nikki, that I think sometimes when it's getting towards seven o'clock on a Wednesday evening and you've got kids to deal with and a house to sort out and, you know, lots of different things to do, sometimes you can kind of think, oh, it's MHCV. But I think the, the, the massive kind of boost that we get every week when it gets yeah. towards uh, eight o'clock, we've done an episode, we've listened to some fantastic information, yeah. you know, often it can be inspiring, it can be thought provoking, it can really kind of reset you for the the, the next few days in work. Uh, and uh, so that's great. And I suppose the other thing is that, you know, it's such a pleasure working with yourself and Vanessa on something that, you know, we started as a bit of a hobby in COVID yeah. and it's still going 144 episodes later. Uh, and also thinking towards 2024, I know yeah. we've been so busy booking up some more excellent guests. Uh, today I booked a, a guest for June. You know, we, we're even looking that far ahead. So we're certainly expecting it to go on for a little bit longer. So yeah. uh, obviously, thanks to our guest tonight, Jane Beach. Yes, thank, thank you, you to, uh, you know, Nikki and Vanessa for all their amazing work in 2023. Uh, thank you to all the, uh, the, the people that have uh, been guests on the show. And thank you to you guys out there that have been our audience, yeah, whether it's on you. Facebook, YouTube or on our podcast. It's mm -hmm. been such a pleasure to spend uh, 40 odd minutes with you every week. Uh, without further ado, should we say night night? Merry Christmas Hi, and a happy yeah. new year. Yeah,